Hello listeners, Greg here. This week, we have something special and a little bit different for you. Matthew met up with Andrew Thompson of the Super Number One Cycling Podcast down at the Tuesday Night World's Crit Races in Minneapolis, and they recorded this live crossover episode. Because this is a crossover, you can also hear it over at supernumberone.net, which I would encourage you to do because you will find at the end of that edition a solid 30 minutes of A-plus bonus material that I ultimately cut from this version for capricious and arbitrary reasons. Super Number One is a fantastic freewheeling cycling podcast for the casually hardcore, and if you enjoy WHBP, you'll probably enjoy it as well. Again, that's supernumberone.net or find it on iTunes. And with that, let's join Mario and Andrew, live at the scene. Yes, this is Matteo, and the Working Man's Honest Bicycle program is recording live from the Tuesday Night World Championships in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Not Tuesday Night World, it's the State Fair Affair. God damn it, I always screw that one up. <laughs> it used to be the Tuesday Night World Championships two weeks ago. Now it's the State Fair Affair. We are on the State Fairgrounds of Minnesota, which is the place where everyone in Minnesota comes together to eat terrible food for one or two weeks in August and or September. Yes. And fortunately, it is a creepy, semi-abandoned, semi-city for the rest of the year, and it gives us a decent bike racing venue that we use a lot. A lot. I am joined by Andrew Thompson yes. of Super Number One. Triumphantly returning to podcasting after a at least a two to three month hiatus now, but I think uh, this is a good icebreaker for coming back to the game. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, this is a sort of a hybrid episode of WHBP and Super Number One. Yes. And uh, can't help but notice that we're at a bike race and we're not bike racing. So I have two comments about that. One is, uh, Andrew, I hear that you have a great tip for losing those last couple pounds of unwanted skin. I do indeed. Uh, you uh, go to a race, you race aggressively, and in the final sprint you get to at least 40 miles an hour, maybe 42. That two mile an hour uh, is up to for some debate of whether how much of a difference that actually makes. <laughs> but then um, have something happen in the maiden field that causes someone to come careening into you and taking you out. Um, not only do you lose a lot of flesh, uh, you get a nice ringing sound in your head. Um, you get a chance to buy not only a new helmet, but a new fork, new handlebars. You know, those things that you kind of want to replace every other year or so, just to keep things fresh. I like that you're thinking of this as an opportunity. You have to. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to not win a race, you might as well lose spectacularly. So That's a good way to think about it. I've always thought that, like, yeah, some of my best races, I've, like been pretty close to last because I've put in what I consider like such a heroic effort to get so close to maybe winning you know like almost bridging up to the winning break and then going backwards pretty fast uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, crashing in the final 50 meters or so at 40 something miles an hour is that's it that's a painful way to do that yeah it's uh showering is expensive. A, a, a lovely experience um, for some of the listeners of the Super Number One podcast. If I use the term "bring on pain sticks," 
they might know what I'm talking about um, because that's a lot what it's like. So I can feel, I sort of feel, you know, like my uh, Klingon heritage has been fully brought out now. Um, like the home world will now accept me because I do that every day in the shower now. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I had a bad crash uh, some years ago. Um, it was actually a week before my wedding. And I had a get together of some friends, as one does before a wedding. And I was riding bikes back uh, to my friend's house through Manhattan. And we're, it was late at night, and I was pretty uh, altered. And I, we, were, <laughs> you know, we, you were on, we were on paths and everything, yep. so it was like, it was not like the worst decision in the world, you know? It's not like I had all those whiskeys and then went careening up First Avenue. Um, but I, I remember kind of like sprinting up a hill, and then I remember kind of sitting on a curb, and <laughs> the, the, the... The details are a little bit uh, unclear. <laughs> it's a little bit mysterious what happened in between. Uh, sudden front flat, I think, is the... Okay explanation um and as a result i had so i had like just no skin on my knuckles and on one of my cheeks which is like most of the part of one's body that's not covered up by a suit right a week before a, a very photographed day in my life right <laughs> and uh and my friend i who obviously showed a great amount of love and i will never forgive him for this took like a nail brush and was cleaning out the gravel Oof. from my knuckle wounds man in the shower as we're like cross-eyed drunk at 3 a.m. So did the drunkenness help that experience at all it, or uh, <laughs> to, to numb the numb the pain a little bit? There are some things that will sober you up pretty fast. Yeah. Maybe it, not scientifically speaking <laughs> <laughs> but like emotionally speaking. Yeah yeah because I, I think my my wife was very helpful uh, or has been through this experience because it's still kind of a, a process but uh, if she ever had anything to, to take out on me, she was able to do it that first night and scrubbing me out. And uh, power animals, you know, spirit caves, all of those places were channeled and found lacking. Um, but it, uh, yeah, not a pleasant experience. One that I would not like to repeat anytime soon. So, hey Jenna, say hi to the podcast. <laughs> so that is, that is a, a local bike racer, Jenna, part of my, one of my teammates, getting ready for her race. We are sitting right in the middle of a, an active criterium of the is it 3-4 race right now? We're in the 3-4 race. It's pretty great. We can see the finishing straight and the finish line. We're kind of between the home straight and the back straight. So, Right. And this is a course, actually, that uh, you know I would consider Sunday my very first real bike crash in a race. It was, it was real, man. But uh, last year, in this very race, on this exact same course, like my flesh hot hot like your flesh uh so my my first like real crash in a bike race uh was during batten kill some time ago and there was just a dirt descent and i there were some people in front of me doing some stuff um and i was trying to avoid them and we're going around a turn and there's gravel and i just hit a patch and you know like you get that feeling like when you're on like ice or sand or gravel and you just like you try and get light because you know as soon as you try and turn the bike right the whole friction situation is going to be like uh-uh no right. we're not doing this well that and in, in, when i get in those situations like when i was right racing the almanzo um your instinct is to tighten up 
and you know brace for the worst but on uh, you know on gravel or you know bad situations that's the worst thing mm. you can possibly do yeah you just gotta like go loose and try and drift yeah and i tried to go loose and i try and drift and i drifted into a ditch and you know all of a sudden the bike stops and you flip over and over and over again and i kind of stopped and like felt the world around me and went oh I, I'm, I'm okay i can <laughs> i can keep riding of course i was dislodged thoroughly from the front group that i was with but you know, it's, uh, I, what I like to think about crashes is that, like, sometimes you can have a terrible crash, but, like, walk away from it, you know? It, crashing doesn't mean you're right. going to have a collarbone that's broken. It doesn't mean you're going to have a concussion or a broken right. this or right. a shredded that. Um, some, you know, a, a lot of crashes, people walk away. Yeah, and, that, and that's surprising. I mean, all of, uh, my only broken bone is to, uh, was in 2001, before I would, you know, have considered myself a cyclist, uh, was due to an, an interaction that did not go in my favor with a car um, in Pasadena, and I went over my handlebars and broke my collarbone and all that sort of stuff. But aside from that, uh, you know, people say that bike racing, crashing is part of bike racing, which is true and not true, I think, at the same time. I mean, you know, if you're doing things on a bike with a lot of people around you and you're going fast, crashes will happen. Um, but aside from a broken collarbone and, you know, a mild concussion this weekend and a lot of skin gone, you know, since I've been bike racing, I've crashed in cross a lot because that's just cross and that's what happens. And those are really, by and large, no big deal. That's you like get falling down. some bruises. Yeah, exactly. But my only other real crash, you know, other than this tiny little crit one, um, it was in a gravel race and I got some road rash there. But it, it is kind of amazing uh, considering how little clothing you're wearing. And uh, your only main source of protection really is your helmet, and yet you can, by and large, get away with these you know crashes and not be too hurt. <laughs> so, I and I think that you know a lot of cyclists uh, talk about how like awesome and badass cycling is to like counter the public image of like us as these people. Don't laugh, Brian. We're talking <laughs> about you. <laughs> Bystanders. <laughs> he just made the loser sign. Little does he know. How famous we are. <laughs> we have dozens of followers on Twitter. At least dozens. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you were saying. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, the, there's a sort of public perception of us as people, like, prancing around in tight clothes, and all we do is just ride bikes around, and how is that hard? And, right. You know, cyclists always want to talk about our knuckle scars and our hip scars and our top speeds of, you know, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour, right. and the speeds at which we crash at, and the fact that, like, you know, when we crash, if you're going 30 miles an hour and you crash, like, it's just, it's like jumping out of a car not wearing anything. Right. When in my crash on Sunday, I had a guy come up to me who was just spectating and talked about his motorcycle crash that he broke his neck in, so obviously that's way worse than anything I experienced, but was commenting on maybe you should try out you know, wearing uh, what we motorcyclists wear, like leather and stuff, and it's like, good idea, but there's some problems with that in terms of, like, exerting yourself in a big leather suit. You ever run in yeah. leathers? Gets <laughs> pretty sweaty. Yeah. And uh, I also think about crashing. Like, some people seem kind of prone to crashes. And I, uh, I almost hesitate to say that because, I don't know, I'm unintentionally superstitious so like is there any wood we can knock on yeah I, I know what you mean yeah um some people seem kind of prone to crashes and uh and some people can go just like years and years and years and years and years without 
not only without having like a bad crash, but without crashing at all. At yeah. all. Um, and like I think that you know I take some precautions to avoid crashing. Like I don't stick my front wheel in tight places. I generally right. like. <laughs> I generally uh, Carrie's laughing at us. <laughs> These people. These people. They're judgmental people. They're full of bystanders, which is. You great. guys are wearing spandex. Did you know that? I'm wearing spandex right now. I wrote it's true. here. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like some people are just put their front wheel in a place where someone else can easily sweep it away, and right. other people don't. And, you know, probably a bunch of other things too that cause that cause some people to yeah. be well acquainted with the pavement. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, that's one of the things with learning how to to bike race is to to not get in those situations. And my my transition from the Cat threes to the the Cat one twos. In some ways, I've had to sort of become less cautious because I lose so much of my position in the field because I'm being too careful and this guy's getting too close. And so by defending my wheel, I lose, you know, one or two spots of that and I have to fight back for it. And so it's kind of a weird sensation for me to have to get, you know, take a few more chances in order to do well in the race. And, you know, taking chances doesn't necessarily mean that you're looking to crash more, but it, you could, I guess, reclassify that as being more aggressive. But uh, it has been an interesting transition to, to sort of like, okay, we're going this fast. I'm going to push up between you guys because I need to get to the front. So, I started bike racing, racing alley cats in New York City. And alley cats are unsanctioned messenger style bike races through live traffic. And when I would tell this to people, this is like the first two years of my racing experience. It's like just alley cats. And a lot of people would say, like, oh, that sounds really dangerous, and or like, oh, I would never do that because it sounds like you have to take a lot of risks. And what I saw, like, racing with some of the people who were, like, the best in the world at this, was that it was, like, a smoothness and not a risk-taking at all. It was, like, a, a confidence and an ability to kind of, like, analyze what's going on around you right. and know, like, where to go to keep your speed. I mean, always bike racing is about, like, putting, like, Two, two parts, like putting power into the bicycle to generate speed and then keeping that speed so you don't have to keep on putting power into your bicycle to right. generate speed. And, you know, it's kind of like in cross, like, you know, you want to just touch the brakes as much as you need to to slow down for that corner and carry as much speed and pick the right lines. And, you know, when you're riding fast in traffic or through intersections or through red lights, you know, I'm not saying this as if it's defensible because I could probably talk for a long time about the pros and cons of such things. But, right. um, you know, you're, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're thinking, right, like, how do I be smooth and conserve speed, but, you know, not crash. And, right, right. You know, the people who are good at it, if they were taking risks all the time, they wouldn't be consistently good at it. Right. They'd be good for a moment, and then they'd be in the hospital. Yeah. And would have to buy a new bike every single week, basically, because... <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the terrible movie Premium Rush? I did. You thought, in did in you fact, think a lot it, of the a lot of the, the extras too? and stunt people in that movie were, were people who I who I like raced and hung out with in New York. So, did you think that was a terrible movie? I thought it was uh, pulpy and cheesy, but watchable. Okay, that that's kind of how I felt too. And yeah. towards the end, I may have had several beers, but I was like, uh, <laughs> let this be over. And there's a lot of reallys thrown out there. But to your point, though, that the the scenes where they have the situations where he's coming into an intersection and sort of pauses. And he sort of plots his route in multiple different scenarios, sort of choose-your-own-adventure style. Mm -hmm. And he chooses the one that's going to not have a broken neck in the end. Mm -hmm. I do feel like, you know, when you're in a race, you sort of have that sort of sixth sense a little bit where you just kind of lay out all the scenarios. And it happens really quickly. 
or another way to put it is sort of you have soft eyes when you're racing and you're just you know especially when you're in in a corner at high speed and you've got people on all sort of axes around you you're just kind of watching all the motions but none of the motions at the same time and sort of plotting your way through the you know the field and if you're if you're like moving up the gutter or up the curb you know and you think like you think like all right any moment that person in front of me can like just flip over and squeeze me out and put my front wheel to the curb right. if i don't pass him fast enough you could do that over and over during a race and each time you think like do I have enough room? Like, okay, now I do, and then now I don't, so I'm gonna back off. Because each time you think, now I don't, and I'm gonna back off, you imagine that person flipping over. And then like that one time, you know, after you do it over and over and over again in a race, you think, I'm not gonna move up right now. And then the rider does flip over, you'll be like, aha, I was prescient. Right, right. I knew it was gonna happen. It is weird. Yeah. It's um, like if the phone rings and you're like, oh, that's my mom. Yeah. I just know it. <laughs> like eventually, it's gonna be your mom. She's calling, she's like, why you never call? <laughs> That's my mom's accent. <laughs> Mixture of Jewish mother and Chinese woman? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My mother is a Chinese Jew. <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey. <laughs> and there we have Sam Fritz. Sam Fritz soloing off the front, time trial style, as he does best. Sam Fritz is one of the few riders in the Minnesota Peloton who uses the MicroShift group set. What's the MicroShift group set? It is... See, so I gotta explain something, mm -hmm. uh, for my listeners at least. Matty has been riding a long time, uh, his partner in crime. Uh, I, I always have a hard time calling him Greg because I always want to call him Grolby. And so if anyone's ever heard me say uh, his name on the podcast, I always go, I, I always say, and his co-host, Greg. <laughs> Not because I don't know his name, but because I want to call him Grolby. Grolby. Um, but you guys have been racing a long time, riding bikes a long time, and knowing... Uh, you know, things like components and, you know, different styles of whatever. This Whereas me, nice. I'm, I'm totally a newbie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I pick up things as I, as I come. So what is micro shipping? So, all right, so you got your, your, your two main component companies, Shimano and Campagnolo. Uh -huh. They existed for a long time. There are a couple others back in the, like, down tube shifter days, blah, 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 when everything worked with every other system. Um, and then at some point, I don't know, like eight years ago, SRAM... Started ex or not, they didn't start existing, but they started manufacturing Rival and Force and eventually Red. Those are like the three like big groups that. And MicroShift is like some Asian company that makes Aha. like sort of Shimano compatible and kind of Shimano knockoffs. But like you have a brake lever and then you have these like two other levers okay. to tap. Sure. And um, gosh, there's one one domestic protein, and I forget which one they were. If it was like Five Hour Energy that rode micro shift and I've heard that it actually works decently though it uh, maybe feels a little bit pudgy and looks slightly unfinished it looks like a little bit plasticky okay. and the other thing about them is that uh, oh no it's not micro shift it's FSA which is apparently you know another like OEM manufacturer which claims to be like on the verge of manufacturing an electronic group set sure. that Quickstep is going to ride at some point this year. Like, but not Cavendish. <laughs> no. No, he's, he's had enough of that shit. He's had enough of <laughs> chain drops from FSA chain rings. Alright, so Sam Fritz is on the home stretch on this last lap and he's just sitting up. Oh, he's going to post up? Yeah. Here comes the post. Can we judge Taking his post, post up? Up? What do we Let's think? So he's goes. just sitting up. So far good. So far so oh, a one, single one hand. hand. The what? single hand and the pointed finger is sort of like the number one he had plenty of time, though, to do something choreographed, almost. So I mean, it's a little disappointing that he did not only just <laughs> one hand, but not, like, you know, shooting the arrow. He could or... have shot the arrow. I don't know. Yeah. Well, my teammate Aaron Young took third, second in the field sprint. 
That's nice respectable. Work. Nice work. And uh, no carnage, which is also good. I love seeing no carnage. I love seeing no carnage. I tried to post up on the track. Uh, so that that must be pretty hard to do. I'm, I'm uh, thinking very hard about uh, doing these introductory track classes to see what it's all about because everyone, it's sort of like a cult. You know, once you get in the door, it's hard to get in the door, but once you get in the door, it's like your mind has changed and all of a sudden you love it and it's the best thing ever. Racing on the track is special. Right. And uh, one of the things that does uh, give me pause in addition to splinters is uh, is the fact that there is, um, you know, it's, it's fixie and I've never ridden a fixie before. And so the idea of posting up on a fixed gear bicycle sounds challenging. In addition to that, like the finish line is maybe 10 meters before, before the, the 43 yeah. degree banking. <laughs> yeah. So post ups tend to be kind of short lived. But you also get like a victory lap, you know, and it's really cool. One of the one of the really cool things about racing at the track is that like you're in front of a crowd. Right. Usually. I you know, for opening night at the National Sports Center Velodrome, there were hundreds of people there on the home straight and on the back straight. So like, you know, if you win a race, you can you can kind of salute going across the line. And then you've got like a cool down lap or lap and a half or two laps, and you could just like, you know, roll out to the rail and people are cheering and right. you can put your hands up right. and it's like the coolest feeling. Yeah, it was a cool venue. I mean, that was the opening night was my first time actually being at the track. Period. Other than being outside of the track racing cross, mm -hmm. it's it's a fun uh, fun place to be. So, what were your? I, I remember distinctly my first reactions when I like rolled up to the track the first time. Heidi and I had lived in Minneapolis for all of like three weeks, and we were like, all right, like it's the last night of track racing. We're gonna ride our bikes up there. We're gonna check it out. We're gonna spectate. Uh, we got lost. This was back in the days when it was still like kind of legitimate to like print out directions from like right. Yahoo Maps. Like Google Maps wasn't quite good yet or I don't know. We didn't have smart like smartphones were not ubiquitous. Right. It was terrible. It was terrible. And so there are two different highway tens between here and the track. So that's just like a nightmare for directions. Oh I thought we already crossed highway ten. What's going on? And then it started to rain. So we got there and it was cancelled and we left. But I remember distinctly my first impressions and I'm curious about yours. Um well I, I did like the fact that you know Minnesota racing, um, and from my experience, it, which is of course limited, uh, suffers from a lack of enthusiasm, mm -hmm. um, and from the especially from the the public side of things. Whereas all the other races I've gone to in other venues have a much more. Um, I mean, it's not huge, but a much more significant uh, crowd presence. Mm -hmm. And you know, racing crits, like even in Canton, South Dakota. Like the whole town is there, and they're in their front yards, and they're cheering for you, and it's they're honking their horn when you pass, and it's everyone's having a good time. Whereas here, you know, basically what we're looking at now is racers and maybe some uh, extended family member kind of stuff. No one gives a shit. Um, <laughs> so coming to the track where you've got you've got bleachers, you've got concessions. Um, still, it's a lot of uh, a lot of established bike racers. But it's a crowd, they're watching, they're cheering. So it's a pretty cool vibe in that sense. And so I really like that aspect of it. And it's, you know, crits sometimes you can, one of the nice things you can say about this venue, the, the state fairgrounds, is that it's pretty easy to experience the entire race from, you know, you stand in the middle, you can see what, mostly what's going on. Whereas the track, you can watch the whole damn race progress the whole time. And so that's that's a cool aspect of it yeah. too, so. Yeah. And, uh, it took me a long time to figure out what the hell the rules were for a lot of the races uh, in the track, but I like the variety. You know, you've got the missing out, 
you've got scratch races, and there's you know points races that I still don't even understand. But uh, but yeah, it's it's fun to watch. So it is fun to watch. We, and I think you know as bike racers, we always hope that uh, we always want to put on a show because it's like it's better for us right. if people want us to be there. You know, it's it's all too easy to know that like. You know, races have gotten like, kicked out of venues, and like a town isn't going to give a permit, or like some office park isn't going to want a training crit back because too many people are like peeing in the bushes and throwing cliff shots into the bushes for a right. forty-five minute race. Right. All this, all this nonsense, right? Like, what what we really want is some type of like festival atmosphere with people who are there because like they think this is cool and they want it there right. in their town. The track is good, and and some. Some venues, some races, yeah, they do a really, really good job of getting that. Um, especially, you know, traveling around the Midwest, there are some some totally established races where it's like it's kind of the only game in town. Yeah. But yeah, here in the Twin Cities, it's like, eh, we have we have some races. We have a couple a couple ones that are like total festivals. You know, Southside Sprint yeah. is is off. That's one I've yet to do. This year, I will of course do it. But uh, I've heard good things about that one. It's it's like it's like our home game. I feel as a as a Minnesota bike racer for, you know, five years, I've raced Southside Sprint three times, all three years. I think this is its fourth year. And immediately, you know, it like came out, it's in this like downtown, or not downtown, but sort of like central business district of, of its neighborhood. Right. In South Minneapolis. And like all the businesses are out, businesses are given like creams, there's, That's you know, cool. tents set up, there are people like having their afternoon beers on the sidewalk. Uh, Outside of restaurants, mm-hmm. like the start finish line is a is a party. Yeah. Well, and last year at the North Star Grand Prix, when I went to the Uptown Crit, that was so much fun just being a racer on the sidelines because you get people who are just in Uptown because they're in Uptown to go get a beer, and they come outside and there's this bike race going on and they're super into it. Like they're having their beer and they're asking me questions about you know why are people doing this in the race and what are the rules and that yeah. sort of stuff and you know. I don't have, you know, lots of people have ideas about how do we fix Minnesota racing, and I, I have very little to say about that because, you know, opinions are cheap. But, um, you know, if you just have races in a place where people are just going to meet anyway, it seems very easy to get people interested in it, especially if, but <laughs> if, if there's beer, if there's music, and if there's a sense of an occasion, I think people right. respond to that, especially in a place like Uptown, which is kind of like the, I don't know, it's like the party party intersection yep. of, of Minneapolis. It's a weird, it's a weird mixture of uh, tight pants and bad taste in fashion. And, <laughs> and I'm not talking about tight, the tight pants fashion, but like, you know, there's all the Victoria's Secrets, there's the, you know, the, it's that sort of uptown shopping district kind of yeah. stuff. So it's, it's it a, used, used to be the Atsy Fatsy neighborhood. Chino Latino places, you know. It's, <laughs> the fact it's, that there's a restaurant called Chino Latino when, probably When college kids, like, they it. get their ability to drink, and where do we go to go drink? Oh, we're going to go to Chino Latino, of course, because it's, the, like, the best place. In the no, it's not. Lindsay Lohan goes there. So <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what more do you need to say? <laughs> uh, listeners will know that, you know, I'm from the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey and lived in New York for a long time. And in New York, there's a phrase called the bridge and tunnel crowd mm-hmm. for people who are coming into New York City on Thursday through Sunday nights via the bridges and tunnels and you know this kind of what that what it tries to capture is the idea of like all right I live here and you're treating right. where I live like, like Disneyland, an amusement sort of. park yeah exactly yep and uh, you know the same thing happens in uptown which yep. is like it, it used to be like the really cool neighborhood and then all the just sort of money came in in different ways and yeah I used to live kind of near there and you know people would 
be loudly looking for parking spots right. outside right. my apartment, and like, and then you just hear people like, just the pre-drunk driving yep. attempts in the middle of the night. You know, as they go back to the suburbs, there might not be bridges and tunnels here, but there can still be a bridge and tunnel crowd. It's uh, freeways and pastures, or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. The, the county roads, outlet and strip stores, malls. yeah, strip malls and outlet stores, or something. <laughs> yeah. So now we've got the the women's race starting. Yeah. Which is the one. One, two, three, four, open race, correct? It is. All of the above. And that's a tough situation. That's I wouldn't really want to be a Cat 4 racing with one, two, threes. No. Because there is a marked difference. I mean, as there would be in the men's field, too. It's like, if you were to take the 4-5 race and stick it in the one, two, three field, it's just like a marked difference. There's some dudes in the 4-5 field that can hang on. There's probably some women in the, the 4 field that can hang on to the one, two, threes, but like whole different ballgame. <laughs> even even when I was like a, a good three and I was racing three four races, it was still like I know I'm racing with people weaker than me. Like I'm just gonna like I'm gonna put it down mm-hmm. and I'm gonna see what damage I can do. Mm-hmm. In other news, so the wedge co-op, you ever been there? I I am a member. Me too. Mm-hmm. Ah, me too. Yeah. Um they open like right around the corner from where mm-hmm. right now this like extension satellite store. They have a burrito bar. Uh, I've got to go to this place. I've heard good things, though. So, yeah, so my local grocery co-op, which I am not just a member, but a... Owner. Part yes. owner. Yeah, but an owner, yeah. And are you a member owner, sir? Oh, yes. Stop that. Oh, yes. <laughs> I am a participant <laughs> at best. Uh, they opened up this little satellite store, which is, like, a couple, like, convenience items, some chips, some sodas, some, like, dairy and meats and frozen stuff, and a couple fruits and vegetables, and then, like soft serve ice cream and like a sandwich bar and a little bit of prepared foods and some beer and wine coffee um and yeah a burrito bar they have a burrito bar i feel very strongly about burritos i feel really strongly about all foods that come in their own container package yeah especially Uh, one that fits in the back of a jersey so uh, nicely so good their burritos are unfortunately absolutely deficient really and i don't know if they're like oh yeah these are like totally salt free like for health uh, I don't know what the deal is with these burritos. Why they taste so bland. I don't know what I did to deserve this lifeless Manhattan. <laughs> um, That's unfortunate. I've, I have written a strongly worded letter to the editor. As you should. I've, you know, there's been a number of letters almost penned to the wedge in my day. Really? Um, yes. I think. Is there a comment board? There is. There is. Mm. Yeah, you can. You Those can, are always there, entertaining. There is a comment board. Um, you know, being a member of a co-op, you're, you're sort of a special breed of person in general. But it, there's like there's a difference between being a mem- member of a co-op and then being cons- or considering to run for the board of the co-op, and that's like a huge separation. Stop laughing! This is serious. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, dozens of people will hear this. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I, um, you know, have been a member who has considered writing in, but never actually have. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not even close to the becoming a board member thing, but uh, I've complained almost to the Wedge about several things when I moved to Vermont and joined their co-op. I almost wrote a letter to them about how their prices were so terrible because I actually flew back to Minnesota, went to the co-op just to check on their prices <laughs> and double checked. And indeed, for those very same products, they were charging way more in Vermont, wow. which was unacceptable. 
I so. find that particularly interesting because I think that a lot of the food co-ops in Minnesota have very high prices, especially for co-ops. And I think of the idea of a co-op, oh, we got immediately a tax flying in the women's race here. I love what I'm seeing. But I heard women's racing was boring. I hear women's racing is boring. Yes, a non-bike racer uh, told that to me just a week ago, said... As in the closing laps of a women's race said, yeah, you know, women's racing is really boring. Uh, I think it's just fundamentally, you know, men take more risks. And he said this like as someone made this awesome move with like a lap and a half to go. And she like hold, held the field off until two people who were sprinting caught her like in the closing 10 meter. It was like one, it was the, one of the most exciting race finishes you can ask for. You right. know, the super late, super aggressive, like do or die attack. Right. And it's like almost successful or it's successful right. enough for a third place so it's not even like oh and then someone laid down like a stunning attack in one solo like right. that's like kind of exciting but also kind of boring it happens it's yeah. it's when you're like teetering on the edge of it's like totally Jack Bauer in the Tour of France you know like that that tragic he didn't win he even come close but like you know heroic effort yeah and then caught right at the line and it's so terrible exactly <laughs> exactly and that's exciting racing. And this guy, this non-bike racer, was saying this about like men and women, and I'm thinking like, I think the real difference here is between like athletes and non-athletes. Yeah, probably. Clearly, he did not watch the uh, the women's uh, world championship cross race or the national <sighs> championship cross race, both or the world championship road race, which was that, also just, I like, not, did not see that. Stunning. I it's I, Greg and I talked about this in one of the early episodes of. Um, it is a mouthful. <laughs> it's, it's a mouthful. <laughs> An old-timey mouthful. It's a bottle of tonic. Yes. Um, you know, like, uh, four women broke away over the final climb, and they were like, it was like the selection. And because it was the selection, none of them trusted this group. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to work. And so, like, in the final kilometer, it got reeled in by, like, the German team. Oof. Just totally pulling, like, you know, like, the, the bunch of, like, 12 riders up to this group of four. And so it, it like came back together and ended in this awesome reduced bunch sprint. It was such a like such race tension. Right. So cool. And it wasn't about it wasn't about it was like highly tactical racing where people created a selection and they were like, this is a dangerous selection. So I'm forcing Matty to open another beer now because I've had two. It's gonna. I can, I can feel the slur happen, so I need to bring him up to speed. There we go. Better. This is a nice microphone. It'll do. <laughs> I know that because I was just imagining the sound that it would create. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the beauty of this microphone and also its curse is that it picks up everything. And so in the early days of my podcasting career, uh, which is not much of a career because I've never gotten paid for it. Not true, actually. <laughs> not true. Um, but that said, uh, you would uh, stop podcasting for a minute, go to the bathroom, which is 50 feet away. And you can hear the entire stream. It's, it, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Fortunately, uh, editing software comes cheap. It does. Well, not so cheap for this one, but yes. Mm -hmm. But yes, editing uh, well. can fix all problems. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Greg and I were recording, and there was this, like, huge thunderclap that caused me to, like, jump. <laughs> and Greg goes, what was that? Was there a car accident outside your apartment? Or was there, are you having a thunderstorm? What's going on? And I was like... You heard that. <laughs> and I have a crappy microphone. It's really something. Yeah, this is a strung out field right now. This is a, an aggressive race happening right now. So, uh, Nicole Mertz rolled up to the race. She races for ISCOR, 
presented by Smart Choice MRI. And at Winston-Salem, she finished in the road race, she finished 21st out of like 140 wow. riders. And I always love, I tweeted this earlier, I always love like scanning a result sheet and seeing an amateur like way high, like higher than a lot of pros. And I know like, you know, teamwork and all this stuff, like one's finishing order, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right. But like, I think that that was probably a super awesome result that she's pumped about. And I'm looking forward to talking to her at the end of this race. Absolutely. Um, and I, I just, I love like when you see someone who, and you just know that like, oh man, that, that's not like a, that's not like a, I won a whole ton of prize money or there are going to be pictures of me holding a bouquet of flowers type of finish. But that is a win. That is a certain type right. of win. Yeah. Or it's like other local people, like Eric Thompson at, you know, U.S. Nationals for cross. What did he 14? finish? 14, something like that. Yeah, against, you know, serious elite national level pros. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Jeremy Powers, he's not winning a lot of national races, but he's, you know, finishing top 10, top 20 in a lot of those things, winning all of the U.S. races. And so for <laughs> a guy who's, you know, a local guy who's dominating every single race. Right. It's, he lapped me twice it, yeah, in the local right. cross race. Which is always sort of this nice feeling, like you're, you're dying out there, you got an hour-long race, and then you hear behind you noise, and you're like, "Please let it be Eric Thompson lapping me, so I can do one less lap." <laughs> and uh, but so it's cool to see that you know you see that dominance sort of out here, and you see that translate on sort of the national stage with where there's like actual you know pros racing, and and then it pays off, um, and and then they do well rather. So. Are you familiar with the transitive property of race results? I am not. Oh. Oh, I'm so lucky. I get to tell you about the transitive property of race results. Let's hear it. Well, when you've beaten somebody, you also Aha. then get to claim to have beaten all the people that they've ever beaten. Well, this is good because I uh, beat... No matter the discipline. No excellent. matter the race. Excellent, because I beat world champion Steve Tilford this weekend in the uh, circuit race. So, I feel Boom. good about that. Boom. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, I'm basically like a world champion and, uh, and a na multiple national champion in exactly. cyclocross. So. I, and I've, I've beaten <laughs> someone who's gotten, you know, top 20 in the junior Paris-Roubaix. So, I think I'm kind of a big deal for people half my age. This is why people listen to our podcasts. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, let's check in with the race. What's going on here? What's going on? We have uh, Abby Krawcheck. Abby's off the front? Well off the front. I mean, there's no way she's not in the back so she's definitely <laughs> off the front she's and Jen Reif is chasing her down as, Jen Reif also is and Nicole is just right on her wheel Nicole is taking a break too I mean Jen's pulling and Nicole is sitting up so yeah I don't know if I see Abby uh, staying away for the rest of the race but I definitely see her and Nicole just taking turns softening the field up yeah I've never and seen forcing. I don't think I've ever seen Abby take a flyer like that She's been doing it. She's been doing it some of the Tuesday Night Worlds. Okay. Yeah. But the oh, Gabrielle uh, Russell from my team, Birchwood, is uh, bridging up to her. That, so that's that exciting. Looks like, that looks like a Gabrielle a serious is attempt. is uh, getting serious this year. I mean, she's been a rock star in the threes the last several years, but uh, I think she's making moves up. It really seems like she's got. I mean, she, it, she's always seemed to have that like like a lot of comfort on the bike, a lot of smoothness, some of that like long steady miles kind of uh, skill, and I think she's just locked in like racing like a baller this year. Yeah, and like my most exciting time watching her was uh, dangerous riding, dangerous riding. <laughs> <laughs> we just got flyby. Yes, we flyed did. by. 
Sam introduce Bramble, yourself. How are you today? Introduce yourself to the podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm Sam Bramble, the uh, jackass of the Minnesota scene, I guess. <laughs> now, who says that? I'm sure a lot of people say it behind my back. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think of you as less of a jackass, more of just like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's the calves. I've seen, I've seen the way you've made like a lot of space for yourself and crits by you've got some very wide elbows, sir. Well, it's one of those things where like people might, people might hate the way that you ride sometimes in races, but I don't think anybody thinks that you're an unsafe rider. Exactly, which is very interesting. I, I've sometimes found that like, you know. Wow, Gabrielle has oh, almost made it to Abby. She is like oh, she's gonna catch like a second or two behind, and she's looking like Abby's she's looking a little tired. bit Gabrielle still got it. Yeah. Oh, and Deidre's on her way too. Awesome. This is an exciting race. This is exciting. Uh, it, it's kind of a pain to like have body contact from people that you don't like or don't <laughs> trust in races. Um, in the crit last week, the Memorial Crit someone who I'm just like not going to mention their name because it would be really easy to identify them just like ran into me from behind and so like I snapped at him totally just like just yeah hood of the ass um, but like on the track you know where I race against a lot of the same people like every week you know Brandon, I think I've probably had more body contact in races with Brandon than like any everybody else combined I would totally prefer having just being leaning up all over Brandon <laughs> than having some random guy just barely brush me. So I've got no idea what that guy's doing. At the and club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we're up in the club and Brandon and I are rubbing up on each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like when, you know, when, Bra- when Brandon and I bounce off of each other, we just go like, oh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> and it's fine. Right. Because we can handle it. We're all experienced. Are you experienced? No, I'm just talking about the gym. Hendrix what about Shakespeareanced? Shakespeareanced. I like your portmanteau right there. <laughs> I love portmanteaus. Port itself is. Is it? So, no, 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 no. It's just it's, it's a good word. Oh, I thought you were going to say the word itself the word is a portmanteau. Jeez. You know what else I'm really into is uh, antonym. No. Uh, is it antonyms? Words that are their own opposite. So, auto auto antonyms. Okay, yeah, because antonyms opposite. <laughs> yeah, auto like like <coughs> oversight means you are uh, paying attention to something in a managerial uh, way. Yes. Or, or it means you're a dumb shit. Or <laughs> oh, that was an oversight, and I have failed to pay attention to that. So Gabrielle made it up. Now they're taking turns. Nice. I would say they have a solid ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Judging by this. Now one of the uh, one of the hallmarks of the state fair of fair crits is the idea of ninja preems and if you are leading the field through the start finish line and you hear someone shredding on the guitar you have just won a growler of beer that you didn't even know you were competing which is maybe the, the best reason to actually do these races it's so I I uh, gosh this was like three years ago and it was when um, slightly awkwardly they combined like the 3-4 field with the masters field and this was my first race back from like a three week long vacation when I'm pretty sure I just like drank wine and danced and ate a lot of cheese. Not exactly the best cross training I've ever had. I was going to say that that's not a normal week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And three weeks of it. And so I uh, actually wound up bridging up to Mark Scarpel, who's like a beast. uh, Is he in his 60s or is he in his like late 50s? He's probably 50s. So he's like in advanced age and he's just got that like time trial 
situation. Just down. I bridged up to him and tried to work with him, and it was windy, and, like, I didn't have arrow wheels on, and, like, that matters to me, because I don't have a whole ton of power. <laughs> and I, like, tried to take some pulls, and I, like, kind of couldn't, and he was just going really fast. So we, we stayed away. We stayed very far away. And I would always try and pull, like, on the tailwind side, which was the home straight, and I wound up, like, getting three Ninja Preems that race. The best part is winning Ninja Preems in the category race for junior. Because then you get a, yeah. Because you're a real jerk. Yeah. You get a gift card, right? To Catfish. Oh, there you go. There you go. Five. I got, I got it as a vegetarian, so, yeah. Yeah. The other part of, the other part of my story is that Scarpel and I had, like, 50 seconds on the field. In a crit. I, you know, we had like more than half a lap. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so, so, yeah. So when we got the bell, we like kind of sat up, introduced ourselves to each other, <laughs> congratulated each other. And like we were rolling around our final lap, like hands on the tops chatting. And we turned the corner, uh, the final corner onto the home street. And, uh, and we're both like, and he turns to me and he goes, the wind's all yours, man. And I was like, I have not actually pulled like it's yours like and of course you know he's like he's been he's raced like a lot of races in his lifetime and i you know i've you know racing for a bunch of years but like blah blah blah. and he goes no i know what it's like to be a cat three like go ahead take the win i was like i can't do this in good conscience (laughs) and we're slowing down so much that like the sprint is opening up behind us and we actually like crossed the line like two and a half seconds in front of the sprint like it was close that's awesome it was close enough yeah The break is holding. The break? If anything, they might even be. I think they're opening up. Yeah, they are. I'm counting seconds here. Oh, and Abby gets a beer. Nice. (laughs) We've got 18 seconds to this break of two. That is some. That is a real deal. I think last year I uh, won three growlers. Damn. In one night, and so that—that's maybe the most winnings I've gotten in a race. Ah, uh, that's not true, but but beer, money, beer, money, or money beer. beer, money can be exchanged for goods or services. Exactly. <laughs> now we have BK joining the podcast. Oh, nice. Hey, come on, join us. Thank you. It's very phallic, but uh, is this a, oh, is that a, is that a snowball? Is that a snowball? This is a blue yeti. Is this yeah. a slow ride goes mobile? This is a, a joint effort between Super Number One Cycling and uh, the, the Working, Working Man's, Man's Honest Bicycle Program, program which is much harder to say. <laughs> WHBP. Wait, the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. Yeah. Is the Working Man always honest? It's hard to say. You just have to trust it. Honest man always working. That's we like to think we just. And there's like a rival podcaster approach. going right there on the uh, slow ride. He's going very slow, so it is fitting. Nailed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the working man always honest. It's the honest man always working. There's a lyric in there. This is. You know, that sounds like a very like Creedence Clearwater revival yeah. or like sort of like just that <laughs> era. <laughs> Something that should be playing on on the radio right now. Maybe. I think I've heard they've even played this song before. Are they, are they just kind of doing the same couple over and over again? Is that a picture of a donut on your bike? Yes, my giant donut. Ah. Oh, I thought it was Gianto. Gianto. 
You also, I, I noticed that you have head wheels on your bicycle. And I'm not sure if I told you the story, but I was working at a shop and someone called up and said, Hi there, do you sell 650 HED tires? And I said, what? 650 HED tires? Can you say that slowly? HED tires. Uh, HED? Is that an, I was like, is that an Italian company? And he goes, H-E-D. I was like, Oh, <laughs> you're talking about 650C head wheels <laughs> with an H. <laughs> wheels with an H. <laughs> and that hub sound can only be one person. <laughs> pretty sure the mic picks that up. I'm pretty sure it does. It is. He is. He already did. He was. He was in that seven man break. That went up the road in the 3 4 race. With you. <laughs> Wait till BK. <laughs> It, you know, once Scott invented the wheel, he then went on to invent the rear derailleur. Scott yeah. Flanders, <laughs> Scott Flanders invented the uh, he invented the wheel. He's been around a while. He didn't know he invented the wheel. Well, he reinvented the wheel. <laughs> I thought he had reinvented the wheel. They, there is a lot of reinvention going on. <laughs> well, those two are just, they have... That was a good. That's Gabrielle Russell. Yeah. She's like a second year racer. Yeah. Third, I think. Tom's yeah. Daughter. I remember her showing up on uh, like, a Trek Lexi. And... Yep. <laughs> yeah, she's rocking it this year. She's has she dialed back her volume and boosted up her intensity? I think so. Yeah. She's got she's got a, enough of a kick. She's got a yep. very reasonable. But did you see camp her at Campus Crit? Yes. She outsprinted everyone. It was awesome. Here on these same terrains. Same terrain. Gabrielle. Margo has a vicious sprint. Claude. She races for the, for the fix. fix. She was on Coachella last talking year. talking about the women over there. How, how slow they were, right? No, about how... How it's so boring? <laughs> and why do we even bother with equal pay? Because it's so dumb? I'm sure that's what you were talking about. Exactly what we were saying. Yeah, There's I not enough that. money to split it evenly. Mm -hmm. It got, yeah. Oh God. It's yeah. on. It's on them. Yeah. It's their fault. Never mind. <laughs> 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 anyway, what were you saying? It's gotten faster. It got bigger for a while, and then it sort of plateaued. But now it's the same women, and they're all faster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it makes it quite exciting. Well, like you were saying, that one was it the Memorial Day race when we had the. Stacy Callum Carey and attacked just like oh. brutal to watch. That was so so close. It was so like, good. Like nail biting excitement. And then there was the, the men's race, which just stayed together the whole time. It was just like 29 miles an hour the whole time, except when it was a little bit faster and a little bit slower than that. And then it was a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. And and like it was faster and it was bigger, but it wasn't more exciting. I'm offering you a beer that isn't more than No. Hey, free. I'm not old enough to drink Feel beer. free. On, you guys are only going to race soon, so it can only so help. So that right? means you could be like 19. <laughs> no, seriously. Next year, for all I know. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's better than a gel. Your racing age is only 22? 
Plus off, my racing age will be 33. All right, bring it in. They'll give you a new one. They don't yeah. care. They just give these things they to anybody. Actually, they actually do. If you have a base you buy the wheels, like, no matter who you bought it, years, something happens to them. That's highly respectable. If the manufacturing defect, you get a new wheel. And if it's a crash, we almost, <coughs> almost always do replacements. Like, if you get hit by a car, we've been a soft spot for well, I'm gonna come see you soon. Since, That's uh, really nice. Yeah, like, do you guys want to sponsor a podcast or two? <laughs> yeah, right. How about two? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> we're, we're podcasting right now. You are now a part of a podcast. Special, right? So here's the story. I thought it was the valve hole because I kept puncturing. They put a brand new tube and it punctured every time. So I sanded it, the core, the hole out. And it kept doing it. I've gone through eight tubes, and I'm not even smashing it. I think there's like a neck. I can't see it or even feel it with my finger because it's a really slow leak. Yeah. So somewhere there's like a burr on the mm. hook. What do you call it? Burrs. Wall. Yeah. And so anyway, can I give it to you and yeah. fix it? Yeah. It's the H2 one. H2. I don't know. I bought them from Brendan Kutcher. I feel like half of your stock has been through Brandon Krawcheck. <laughs> well, yeah, this, I, we did a lot of stuff for him, but I saw a wheel come in through the pair, get his little seats. Get a lot of the JRAs, those are really fun when you get a JRA on a repair. It's like, I bet you were. Just riding around in that race. And just all of a sudden, like, eight of the spokes failed. And the rim cracked. I don't know what the deal was. Yeah, I, I was just, uh... I got it by a car! But someone did get my car and listed that on the repair sheet and they highly discounted race on a rim replacement done that. Are you sure you want to say this publicly? I can, I like, can edit this out, you know. So. You can leave oh, it in. <laughs> as, as someone who was a pretty ardent fan I mean, before I worked there. I mean, that's the thing, is that, like, that's great. Like, not, and not even from a, like, like someone could figure out, like, how to get a better deal on Head products, but, like, Head does really great things to its customer base by, like, hey, do you know anything about podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? Get over here. I think he's too slow to know anything about Yeah. Oh, Sing. snap! <laughs> it, it is, it is. You this is a really good microphone. It's picking you up, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah, so we got little guy Matt from the, the Slow Ride podcast nice. joining like us a, now. Now it's like a three podcast podcast. Now it's a three it's like podcast podcast. Up. Yeah, it's a, yeah, three way. <laughs> it is a little bit hard to handle. Menage a trois podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were Extremely. Sorry. I know. Yeah, Decent. no, that's fine. Uh, Not a lot of yeah. people do. You guys should share. I don't know. No, I, don't do the, I don't do the technology. Slow Sorry advertise yours and vice versa. We could all... It'd be very much like social media. It's a big circle jerk of audio <laughs> sharing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Echo chamber, please. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's the theory. Yeah. Like, there's no such thing as competition. Correct. There, there is some truth to that, yes. Because yeah. everyone's got to mow their lawn and they need multiple hours <laughs> of a... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very possible that the, the crossover is complete. This <laughs> 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 is crossing the streams, you know. <laughs> All like hundreds of thousands in advertising. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got one guy. Ten percent increase. One guy moved over. <laughs> 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 
I've never beard before race, but uh, let me know how that goes for you. I haven't cross, I think. That helps. During, yes. Yeah, during. I find I corner a little bit better in cross if I've been taking hand-ups religiously. And in gravel races at 80 miles, beer a shot is, is the key to success. So. Oh, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you kind of do one of these zigzags through the field. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go warm up. All right. We're going to do a race. Best of luck. By the way, my donkey label socks are falling down. Uh-oh, that's not good. Have you found out a successful way of getting a Did you hear that, listeners? Wider? BK's donkey label socks are whites, falling down. Whites. Extra hot water. OxyClean. 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 <laughs> Bye. That was a fun interlude. That was great. So, oh, Abby is just pouncing Gabrielle. I assume that was the last lap. I thought so too, but I, think I guess so not. Too. But they are winning this race. They, they've got it clinched, I think. Yeah. They've got a, a pretty ginormous gap. Um, so a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine who I knew in New York, who actually grew up here, came back here, raced a couple of races, he was visiting his family, blah, 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 blah. And I thought that was really cool because I got to ask him, like, all right, so, you know, a couple of years ago, I raced a bunch of the, you know, weeknight races in New York. Um, how does that compare to here? And he goes, ah, oh, Tuesday Night Worlds is way harder than Floyd Bennett Field. So that was a cool, that was cool to hear. The other thing is that he was like, man, I just followed BK the whole crit. And yeah. it was just like the smoothest, steadiest wheel with just like super smooth accelerations, great cornering, no brakes. Perfect. Ben Hovland, come join the podcast. Would you pronounce it Hovland or Hovland? I say Hovland, but it's Hovland. Like Hovland. Oh my like God. Hovland. That's Well, that's good because we're both wrong. Yes. Which I wasn't doing it to tell you that you're wrong, Andrew. Nice passive-aggressive sort of a method there. I've, I've been in Minnesota for almost five years. I've learned a thing. You've learned that's a different way to pronounce it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. We had a pretty good Minnesota standoff. You sure do put a lot of salt in your food. Isn't that exciting? It's interesting. Yeah, it tastes good, damn it. Salt and sriracha. I call it delicious sauce. So, sir, I'm happy to see that you uh, have a com uh, functioning bike. Because uh, a week or so ago, that was not the case. Yeah, that's very true. Your bike got effed in the, in the G. F. Yeah. Effed in the F. Yeah, it got effed in the F, man. You got effed in the F. <laughs> Cute in the uh, pie. Yeah. Yeah, I was spooked from most of the race today. Just, like, hanging out in the back. And then when I did move up, I just couldn't follow the wheels that I wanted to. And, I don't know, ended up, like, you know, mid-pack for the final. But just getting comfortable again is what the name of the game is tonight. Right. So I'm going to get some speed work in with the one, two, threes, I think. Just okay, you're going to race again? Sit in the back, yeah. Okay. You know, follow those wheels that you like. That's a perfectly natural reaction to having a rough crash. But, uh, you know, get back on it, get back in it, and... Don't follow that Sam Bramwell guy. <laughs> follow BK. Yeah, He's a very BK. smooth wheel. Yeah. And a BK gigantic and draft. Follow yes. Brendan. He's a it's big like drafting draft, a horse. Yep. Because he has long legs. Mm-hmm. And big butt. Big booty! <laughs> big butt. He's got a lot of junk in his trunk, I'd say, yeah. I would concur with uh, the proposition that he has a lot of junk in his trunk. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, the race is not over yet. We thought that the race ended 
but as the field is passing on the home straight, we've got the breakaway passing on the back straight, and that is just like a absolutely ripping this shit apart. This mic is hot. <laughs> I was very confused by the Tonka little guy merger. I didn't entirely understand it, and I was confused, and I was like, oh, is MCF now little? Like, they have the same kits. What's going on? Who did their design? Oh, they're the same team now. I uh, actually have a critique. No, a uh, review of all the team's new kits. Oh, yeah? This year. I can't wait to see that. That I, I think I'm going to... I should I'm meaning to follow up with Brady Prenslow of the Prenslow Perspective slash PrenslowPhotography.com about it. So what do you think about the Eric's kit? Uh, you know, I hear that they don't pre-reg for races in case uh, it rains because they got that white skin suit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's true. Later, Ben Hovland. Go warm up. Good luck. Good evening, gentlemen. He said he wasn't messing around at the front, but I'm pretty sure I saw his extremely arrow yep. power He'll be up there. He'll be up there again. At the front. Watch out for that curb. It's coming up. Yeah. Well, right, you want to wrap up the recording? Part? I think we should. Might as well. Yeah. We can just drink beer without worrying about it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this has been a hybrid edition of the Working Men's Honest Bicycle Program and Super Number One Cycling. And we have been reporting live from the State Fair Affair in St. Paul, Minnesota, or like Falcon Heights or wherever the Something crap we like are. That, yeah. in, in, Might as well in or be close Paul. to the Twin City. Basically yes. Minneapolis. Yes. Uh, and we're having a good time. We are indeed. Uh, you can reach me uh, on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. Um, I am the nth Andrew. And uh, you can also get a hold of the Super Number One podcast by going to supernumber1.com. Shit, it's been a while since I've done this. Supernumber1.net, I think. And of course, search on iTunes, you'll find us. And search on Facebook, you'll find us there as well. Uh, Matteo, how do we get a hold of you? Basically the same thing, except for the Working Men's Honest Bicycle Program. I think we're honestbikeprogram at gmail.com if you want to email us and talk I about guess. any opinions, which some people have been doing. It's really fun to hear people say, I heard what you said, and you're full of crap. Or I heard what you said, and you're like only a little bit full right, of crap. Right. That's fun. Uh, at underscore WHBP, I think. Uh, yep, I'm at right. underscore Matteo. You like the underscore on Twitter? <laughs> you know, sometimes, I used, sometimes I used people to do that. get to some stuff first. I used to and, do uh, that. Yeah. There's some like bona fide Italian dude who's like at Matteo. Yeah, right, right, and, uh, right, motherfucker. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good point. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know, download us on the iTunes and send reviews. I, I have yet to look at. I have yet to check uh, reviews in a long time, uh, but uh, we we always enjoy them. We enjoy reading them on the show. Um, we also can be emailed. Super number one can be emailed at super number one cast at gmail .com. Uh, I've got a few emails now that I'm podcasting again uh, to catch up on, and so I keep saying this. I've said this for the last four episodes, but there are a couple emails where I definitely will follow up on about things like Garmin's and iPhones, because now that I have a Garmin, ah, I can talk about that. You can say about it. Um, but yeah, plan to be uh, back in the swing of things. Kevin, my uh, co-host, is, uh, let's just say, on a, a very long, very, very long bike touring uh, sort of thing. So uh, oh, I'm going to cool. be planning, I think, a series of rotating hosts, probably including Matteo, including my buddy uh, Scott from my team. Uh, nice the guy. Minneapolis Musette is going to be coming back, I think. So you can expect to hear more from me and uh, a host of other hosts while Kevin is out uh, exploring the wilds on his bicycle. <laughs> um, but he told me that at some point he will find perhaps a landline or something like that so he can review his, uh, his new bicycle purchase, which was a Surly Fargo, which he's very happy with. But uh, yeah. Hit us up um, and uh, let us know you want to hear more. And anything else you want to say? 
Don't crash bikes, bro. Don't don't crash bikes. It's not fun. <laughs> Ride your bike. See you guys later.